This Blitz podcast is brought to you by Bravado Wireless. Available online at bravadowireless.com. <laughs> Good Lord. Yeah, I know. I got problems. All right, it's 240 yeah. here on the Blitz 1170. Let's welcome in Eli Letterman, joining us now here on the Blitz 1170 from the Tulsa World. What's up, Eli? How are you, buddy? I'm doing all right. I'm running through the lyrics on Hotline Bling now, which I can't say off the top of my head I have. But as your your resident youth correspondent, what's wrong with Drake? What's wrong with what's no? No, desire? listen, nothing's they, wrong they with it. It's just the overall <laughs> message and what that is about, right? I don't know if yeah. your five year old should be talking about taking a booty call, well, that, you know, in the. <laughs> and that's where again, that's why you have a resident youth correspondent who has blind spots. No, that's all right. That's all right. <laughs> what's going on, man? How's uh How's Oklahoma City treating you right now? It's treating me quite well. I'm standing on the third base side here at Hall of Fame Stadium watching Stanford practice. What are you guys talking about them? Two OU's got tomorrow afternoon here in OKC. But it, it, this is a, a fun event like every year. And day one, the practice day, with, you know, I've been in and out of all the press conferences in front of all the different teams. It's a really fun day and a fun start to uh, a special event. All right. So what do we learn today, Eli? in some of the press conferences. Anything uh, earth-shattering coming from uh, any of the coaches? No, nothing yet. I'm uh, looking forward to Stanford. They're going to be the last team to go. Let's just get in front of them and, and hearing from them as it relates uh, themselves, relates OU. But, uh, you know, really interesting from a, br- a broader perspective, away from OU or OSU, uh, Montana Faust sitting there talking about her knee and that, you know, they've managed this well. And that, that that's, A, probably Alabama's key to success here, but Really, one of the most compelling stories of this event is a, you know, one of the best pitchers in the country who will their team here with a knee brace on, and she'll leave the pitching with a tear. Uh, so, so things like that, getting in front of, of Tennessee, a surging program like that. There, there's a lot, plenty of interesting storylines here in Oklahoma City. I want to start with Stanford for just a second. So we know what the results were the last time that that OU uh, played the Cardinal, ten one and in six innings way back in February. But let's just not sweep under the rug about the path that Stanford had to even get here. Yes, uh, just four games above 500 in the Pac-12, but they had themselves, you know, quite the regional, right? They upset number five Duke in the in the Durham Super Regional with a three-one and seven-two win. Uh, it, it hasn't been easy for them at all in a very what is a historically difficult. Uh, Pac-12 conference when it comes to softball. Their their path is as difficult as anyone. Yeah, they've certainly earned their way here, at least since postseason play began, because it was, uh, they've, they've gone through good teams. They've, they've looked great since the turn of the, you know, since postseason play began. What's interesting is, is, you know, offensively, they may be the weakest team here. They, they score when they have to. They, they're timely hitting, but when you're looking at offenses like Oklahoma's and Tennessee, it doesn't even compare. Um, but, you know, you mentioned OU beating Stanford in, in February. It was really early in the season. But you know who they didn't face that day it was Misery, Canada, and Alana Vaughn, the two pitchers who we're almost certain to see tomorrow, one of them uh, leading the nation in ERA. And so there's, there's kind of that split of OU had no problem with them when they met in February. But uh, the two pitchers that have gotten them here, and as I said, their offense isn't, isn't what they hang their hat on. It is the pitching. And that's something that OU hasn't seen, and that's probably the, the most interesting storyline going into tomorrow. So and just the overall feel – um, what what is the feel like with the other teams that are there? I I told Matt it's it's one of the best weeks uh, in sports in general, especially when you have two local teams that end up making it there, like we do in Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. 
But there's this overwhelming feeling, Eli, to me, that there's the you know ten thousand pound monster known as OU softball that's in the room. So do you kind of does that kind of hang over any of the teams or the press conferences with just how good that Oklahoma has been? I don't think so. At least not today. This is today's the day, or you know, it's like Super Bowl media day. No matter what you feel, how how a team feels about their matchup, everyone feels good that day. Today is a lot of smiles, a lot of confidence, and a lot of good stories because today is also just getting here for, for these teams is a massive achievement. For a lot of these players, you'll hear them talking about uh, either watching this event or, or even coming here when they were young and that being the spark for them uh, in their softball career. So this is special. And the fact is, yeah, OU is, like you said, that thousand-pound question. Uh, I'm not sure there's a team here that on paper you'd look at and say that's the most viable team to, to beat OU. That team might not exist, but each one of them I think is here with that kind of confidence. But, but it's not hanging over things today, but I can't imagine any of those coaches we spoke with today doesn't have that very thing on their mind. You know, it's funny that in 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 women's sports, uh, we don't necessarily hear the stories the way that we do from the men's side about uh, events that they were able to go to at a younger age that would influence them and maybe kick their competitive spirit into overdrive uh, to make it back there one day. But you just mentioned that there's so many players that talk about making the pilgrimage to Oklahoma City that they did when they were younger to watch the the Women's College World Series in that very stadium. It's it's a lot of fun to hear those stories, right, Eli? Because, again, they don't get told in the general public the same way that we do in, in the reverence that we hold for some of the men's events that we talk about all the time. No, I'll take you to the press conference room not, not more than 10, 15 minutes ago. I asked uh, Timmy Lynch from Washington, a, a pitcher who plays for his face as well, about her memories watching this growing up. And she said uh, she's originally from Georgia. She was here in 2010 at OKC, all about that, that Georgia team, uh, and, and then caught on with some other players. And she, she has all those memories. And so there is that. There's that, you know, she can, she can look back on that as a weekend that, that you know, sparked her interest and, and is a big part of why she's here. She called it a full circle moment. But the other thing, you know, you hear this only universe, almost universally when you, you have these discussions is, and now I want to be that to the little girl who will be in the stands this week. And that, again, is, is where this is such a special event. They're going to pack this stadium. If, if the last few years are any indication and, and the rising tide around this sport is any indication, this place will be packed. There will be, it'll be loaded with, you know, young softball players from around the state, around the country. And, you know, I, maybe, maybe here's the difference. When we hear these stories on the men's side and not going away from those, uh, you don't always hear that that endpoint of, and now you know I'll connect with these young girls who'll be here this week. You can that, that appreciation is there, and it's it's one of those things that an event that in a lot of ways is bigger than whichever team will walk away with a trophy at the end of it. That's certainly one of those components. Well, sometimes because we live in close proximity to it, um, some more than others, we take instances like this or locations for granted sometimes and i know i'm guilty of that with the softball hall of fame there in oklahoma city and just you know it's just a, another event that happens year in year out but it means more than that to so many people and we shouldn't take it for granted and i feel like that it's that with the success that oklahoma's had now going on for forever under patty and now with what kenny's doing at oklahoma state maybe even some of our very own in this state are no longer taking that place for granted and the event itself None of it should be taken for granted. Uh, not not only the success of, of Oklahoma State and Oklahoma, but this event being here is special. And so if, if anyone's at home sitting on the fence, 
I, I can tell you what tickets look like. I don't know how many are even available. But if you can get out here and, you know, you're nearby, you're talking about the coolest event in college athletics. This, the most important thing, thing in college athletics the next week and a half is right here in Oklahoma City. It's a fun event. I, I think largely accessible. Uh, and it's, it's uh, a special thing we have here. And that, that goes even before the fact that two of your national title contenders come from the United State. Eli Letterman is our guest here on the uh, Blitz 1170. All right, Eli, with uh, the Sooners and uh, Patty Gasso, let's kind of revisit the, the past weekend. Uh, I don't even know what to say, man. I, I really don't. Um, whether it's Sooner magic that everyone spouts off about or whether it's just the incredible belief that no matter what the obstacle is, that Sooner softball is inevitable, uh, that it's going to happen. And unfortunately for Clemson, they had to find out the hard way. They found out in the hardest way, and I think you know we've heard Patty Gasso talk about it so much this year. This this faith that they've got in that dugout, and, and a trust she has in this team, even against the brink or when they get pushed. And we, we saw, and then we had some evidence throughout the regular season, limited Florida State, uh, the Texas game in Norman, the middle game where where Texas led and OU, OU had to come back. This was the the strongest example of that yet, and the most extreme because this wasn't. Uh, down a couple, uh, down a run in the seventh in, in the middle of April. This was game two of a super regional where they hadn't looked great Friday. I mean, they were, that game wound up being nine to two, but something kind of close. And then we were watching them push the Sooners again. And that was until Kinsley Hansen had an 0-2 count and launched a home run that, as dire as it felt in the moments before that, also felt inevitable. And so, you know, that there's your latest example of this energy that we hear about. And those things can be abstract. When when a coach tells you we've got something in our dugout that, you know, bubbles, you say you, you can really rise if you want. But they've backed it up and backed it up in the biggest way over the weekend to send themselves here. Uh, outside of Oklahoma, you brought up a little bit there about Montana Fouts uh, there at Alabama. I think Tennessee is a unique story as well. But how about this run that Utah's on? That's a fun one for the first time since 94. They're back in the Women's College World Series and – isn't there kind of there? There's a a, a Gasso tie in there too, as well, right? There's a DJ Gasso tie there. Uh, there's family ties all over. Paige Parker is also involved in the program there, and and so there's I guess by virtue of Patty and and OU being so involved in the sport for so long, there's a lot of OU ties. Uh, Lonnie Alameda, the uh, Florida State head coach, played her career at OU uh, prior to Patty. Uh, but it, it's all over, and again, the storylines are here, and this is where I'll do the shameless plug. You can read all about them in the Coastal World this week, because I'll be here. Eric Bailey will be here. Dean Rule covers OSU will be here. We're going to have all those storylines covered in the Coastal World. How's the, uh, is the rain slacked off? I know it interrupted practice for a little bit earlier. I'm told it rained, but it was beautiful when I went. The, the press <laughs> conference uh, room is in the, is beneath kind of the, the press box. It's all underground here. It was beautiful when I went in. I was told from this window of this room that it was raining and that they had to shift the schedule. I came back outside and it was beautiful again. So I, I'm i choosing just not to believe the rain is ever here because I hope it stays away all week. Well, I hope it does as well. Eli, get back in the media press conference room. I appreciate you jumping on with us for a couple of uh, quick moments. We'll, uh, we'll definitely check in again soon, man, and keep up the great work at the Tulsa World. Good deal. Thanks for having me. That's uh, Eli Letterman joining us here on the Blitz 1170. Um, I was scrolling through last night and doing a uh, few instances of prep work, and I ran across, and by the way, I can't wait to read all of that uh, from the Tulsa World and Eric's coverage, Eli and Dean. 
you're not going to find a better, like, three-headed monster in terms of guys that are there to cover an event like that. Oh, no, and it will won't. it will include more than just even Oklahoma and Oklahoma State because they will have it, I mean, wire to wire in coverage. But I was scrolling through last night, and I saw a headline, and it was talking about Patty's beginnings at Oklahoma and how that she nearly left in 2000, that she wasn't quite to the point where she felt like that this was going to be a spot that she could spend how many ever years of her life that was going to be here. So she took a risk in 94 when she moved, came here and and took over the program, and it was rough. It was absolutely rough the first couple of years. But by the time they got five years in, Patty had won three Big 12 championships in 230 games. But yet she was always homesick for California, back where she was from. And she felt like that, you know, getting back to her roots might be the best thing for her and for her career. And if they did not go on a run, Matt, in 2000, because she said, and I quote, the season of 2000, my husband and I pretty much agreed that this was going to be our last season at OU. He had gotten a job back in California coaching soccer at Fullerton Junior College. And Patty said, okay, I'm going to be done this season. I'm going to put in my resignation. I'm going to go back to California, and I'm going to see what life has for me. She was raising two young boys, trying to be a D1 coach, working for a salary at that point that was probably radio-esque. Bless her. She didn't feel like that even the program or herself were living up to the expectations that she had placed on the program and herself, and it was all starting to take a toll on her. Quote, I didn't think I could survive living my life like it because it was so engulfing. It just owned my life, and I'm trying to raise two kids. The reason why I was going to go back, and I just didn't want to feel like I was doing a very good job at it either, It wasn't giving enough time to my kids, yet I needed to get on the recruiting trail. I was on the phone every night trying to recruit over the phone. I will always remember my youngest son. I would read him a book, go to bed, and would always fall asleep first. He was always waking me up. Mom, finish the book. Mom, finish the book. It was constantly like that. But I was going to go back because I just felt like I wasn't being good at anything. I was being average as a coach and average as a mother. And in 2000, when we won the national championship, a lot of things changed in the way of pay, the stadium additions, things like that. So the rest from there is kind of history. But isn't it funny how we get so close sometimes to things changing the entire future that she had already convinced herself that that was going to be the last year. And then they go on a run and win the national championship. And it changes not only the trajectory of the program, It changes the trajectory of her entire life, her career, and her being to where that she becomes and is able to balance life with being a mother and a D1 coach at the same time. They went 66-8 and that season. 
they lost at Arizona and then beat them in the World Series. And Patty said, I've had to personally grow in a lot of ways. I've had ups and downs. But that was a decision that ultimately changed everything for the program and for Patty in deciding to stay after winning the 2000 National Championship. But what if they had lost, Matt? What if? Who knows? Who knows? I tend to believe that Patty would have found her path because the great ones always do. She would have found her path, and it may not have been in Norman, but we could be talking about her being the absolute leader of a powerhouse somewhere on the West Coast because at some point it was going to click in the perfect place. It just so happened that it happened to be here in Norman. Yeah, we could be talking about her at USC or something like that. You never know. All right, we'll take a timeout. It's 2.56 here on the Blitz 1170. OSU softball, 5.45 tomorrow night right here on the Blitz as they open up the College World Series or Women's College World Series with Game 3 against Florida State, 5.45 pregame right here on the Blitz. We'll take a timeout to come back. Colby Daniels will join us on the Blitz Mix after this break. Thank you for listening to this exclusive Blitz 1170 podcast from Bravado Wireless.